So, uh, let me introduce myself real quick for anyone who doesn't know me. I see mostly familiar faces, but a few new that I'm not sure of. So, my name is Micah Rose, and uh, I had the great privilege of uh, attending church here for, say, about the last two and a half years or so, uh, and just have really been blessed by this body. Um, it's just really it's just such a wonderful place to be, and so I um, had the privilege of serving uh, in a few different things, doing security uh, doing uh, worship on occasion, and then have also had the privilege of getting to come up and, and, and talk a few times. So, uh, so I'm glad you're all here. Uh, we're going to talk tonight about the, the joyous topic of adversity and, and affliction. So, um, and <laughs> by, the, by the groans and, and uh, laughs and looks on your faces, I'm hoping it'll be, hoping it'll be good so, and edifying. So, um, I'm, I guess one thing I would just really love to say first off is I'm really happy to be able to stand up here uh, because I've had, in my family, uh, has had quite a bit of, uh, I guess you could say, affliction and adversity quite a bit over the last nine months or so with uh, a variety of uh, broken bones and other injuries and just things. And so uh, this specific topic has definitely been something that is... I guess you could say near and dear to me and my family. Uh, And so uh, I know that going through this uh, has really been um, an encouragement to me, and I I pray and trust that it will be to you as well. So, you know, we we all face lots of different trials, tribulations, uh, afflictions, whatever. There's a bunch of different words that we can use that kind of all encapsulate the same thing. You know, biblically speaking, there's a lot of difference in, in some of what is used in, in the Greek and Hebrew and some of those, and I'm not going to get into that kind of depth of this kind of stuff tonight. I don't think we need that, uh, so we're going to kind of just stay more broad. I think we all understand what we're talking about when we use the words affliction and trial and tribulation and suffering. It kind of pretty much means the same thing. Uh, the other thing I would say is, you know, this isn't about comparison. Um, there are things that would be very uh, trying to me that you might just be like, whatever, and things that you might uh, really struggle with that I would have no big deal with, right? So it's not a comparison thing. Uh, we each will have different types of adversity and trial and, and those things. And so the important thing here is not to be comparing and, and even thinking about, well, I shouldn't be concerned about this because there are people with much bigger problems. Yes, that is true to an extent, but God wants to work in each of us in whatever situations he gives us, right? So we need to not worry and be concerned with comparing ourselves or comparing what trials and adversities and different things different, different people go through uh, because it's really about us and God, not us and whoever else, right? So... Um, <clears throat> As I said, you know, we all face tribulations, child, trials, persecutions, sufferings, whatever you want to call it um, in this life. It's, it's a guarantee for all of us. Whether you're a Christian or not, uh, suffering and adversity is part of life. But as believers, uh, there is, I would say we're called to a, a different way of, of, a, of approaching, of dealing with those things. And that's some of what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, a lot of questions always come up when we are suffering, when we're going through trials, 
And scripture gives us a lot of guidance uh, regarding how we ought to approach the subject. So that's kind of what we're going to dive into a bit tonight. There's going to be a lot of scripture. I don't have a PowerPoint for you. I just didn't have time to put one together. And quite frankly, it would just be a bunch of verses anyway. So, um, <clears throat> so that's not going to be up there, but I am going to tell you. So those of you that like to, to jot things down, I'm going to tell you what those verses are. And if you miss one, feel free to, hey, can you repeat that? I'm good with that. You can interrupt me if you need to. And if it gets out of hand, I'll put a stop to it. So... Um, in kind of preparing for this, you know, again, as well, this isn't going to be kind of a specific section, kind of verse by verse thing. This is going to be more topical. Um, And as I was kind of trying to, you know, after Ben asked me if I wanted to teach, kind of trying to take some time and kind of pray and and kind of get get narrowed in on on something to teach, um, I was finding a very, I was having a very hard time narrowing in on something. Uh, but there were a couple verses, a few that kind of really kind of kept standing out that I guess I would call catapult verses. They were kind of the ones that kind of catapulted into the, the bigger subject. And so uh, that's the path that I kind of went down and the path I'm going to take you guys down tonight. And uh, we're going to read a bunch of those verses and then kind of branch off that a little bit and then kind of come back to kind of a central point with it all. So uh, I'm not going to ask you to stand uh, to to read with me because we'd basically be doing this all night for for most of it. So um, so no worries there. But uh, I am going to pray. So if you pray with me, Father, I thank you so much for your goodness. Um, and just it's it's hard to say sometimes, but thank you for trials. Thank you for suffering. Thank you for adversity. Uh, I, I know that. In your sovereignty, you have a good plan for everything, and, and I thank you for the things that you've placed in my life that have done that. And I just pray that tonight as we, as we talk through and, and, and walk through your word, uh, that your word would do what your word does, Lord, that you would convict where conviction is needed, that you would encourage where encourage and encouragement is needed, uh, edify where edification is needed, uh, challenge and stir us where challenging and stirring is needed. And so, Lord, let your word do that tonight um, and be with us as we, as we walk through this um, sometimes difficult subject. In your name we pray, amen. So the first verse um, that has kind of stood out to me for, for a while, and especially in the last, you know, the last nine months or so, um, was kind of where a lot of this started, and that's from, the, from James uh, chapter one. Uh, verse two through four, James is writing to the just the church as a whole. He's not, James wasn't writing to a specific church, but rather was writing to um, just kind of the, the Christians as a whole. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So that whole idea of counting it all joy when you face various trials um, that's kind of difficult to stomach sometimes, right? Um, the next verse or, the, or section First uh, Peter chapter 1. Uh, for now, I'm just going to look at verses 6 through, uh, we'll go 6 and 7. Uh, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
Then moving over to Romans chapter five, and it's funny because I was talking to Isaac, I don't know where he is earlier, but you know, we were talking a little about, about the topic and you know, he's like, oh yeah, like James and Romans five and you know, kind of throwing, it's like, yeah, those are, those are, those are typically the ones, right? Uh, so Romans chapter five, verses one through four, um, and, and specifically kind of honing in on verse three and four, but I'll read the whole, the whole section. He says, therefore, uh, Paul writes, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. So we have, and, and there's other verses we could, we could continue pulling out, and this is a, a, a concept that, that's all over Scripture of, of God calling us to rejoice, to glory in, 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 in tribulations, to, uh, to, to persevere, to have joy in trial. And, and so we have that while we also have this contrast of knowing that, that, uh, that trial's not easy, right? Um, Hebrews chapter 12, um, there's a, a big section in, in regards to discipline that we'll kind of talk about in a little bit. Uh, but one of the, the, the kind of the ending portion of that in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, uh, the author of Hebrews writes, now no chastening or discipline uh, seems to be joyful for the present, but painful, right? So there's this recognition that, that difficulties are not always pleasant, right? Um, but at yet the same time, we are kind of called to, to have joy in them. So when we face trials, when we face tribulations, when we face these adversities, um, we always a- ask the question, you know, we, we ask the question, why? You know, anyone who has had, ever had a conversation with a toddler knows that as humans, we want to know why. Why, 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 why? Um, I know I've had some of those conversations, uh, especially being a school resource officer and being in schools with elementary kids and just questions, just why, 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 you know, asking things. And it's, um, we are people who want to know why, right? Um, And so we're going to look at some of the biblically supported reasons as to why uh, there are trials and tribulations, sufferings. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways we could go with that, but I'm kind of going to look at just a few kind of of the general sections or, or areas that, that we find this in, and then uh, from there kind of bring it back to, to a point. So the first kind of answer to why, to an extent, is the fact that there's evil in the world, right? We live in a broken world. There is evil in the world, and there will be difficulties. Um, a number of places where we see this in Scripture, uh, the first one, John 16, uh, Jesus is, is talking to his disciples in verses 32 and 33, where he says, Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave each to his own and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. First John one, uh, excuse me. First John five nineteen says that we know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. There is evil in the world. Second Timothy three one, uh, Paul writes, but know this that in the last days perilous times will come. 
Then he says, for, and there's kind of that, you know, perilous times will come. There's going to be difficulty in the last days. And the reason that he gives for this is, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers. And so he goes through this big list of, of sin, of evil things that happen. And he's saying that there are perilous times that will be coming, and much of that is going to be as a result of all of the evil that's in the world. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 Uh, This is the section where Paul is writing about the armor of God. And he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So there's going to be evil that comes against us, and we need the armor of God upon us in order to stand against that. Um, And then... Uh, just you know, recently, as, as Ben has been teaching him through Matthew, him, he's talked about the parable of the sower. Um, one of the aspects of that is the, the seeds being and the, the, the growth being choked out by the evil that's in the world. So we have this, this concept, and there's other places that we can pull similar things out to show us that there is evil in the world. And part of the reason that there will be difficulties and tribulations and trials and suffering is because of the evil that's in the world. An offshoot of that then also is the idea of persecution. You know, we're not going to be persecuted by the good, by the by the by the believers, by the good things, right? It's going to be the evil that, that per, for, from where persecution comes. Uh, a few places where that is uh, very clearly shown. Uh, if we look at Hebrews uh, chapter eleven, uh, thirty-five through thirty-seven. So Hebrews chapter eleven is kind of known as the the faith chapter, so it's the, the heroes of the faith, and he goes through this list of, um, we see the, the word by faith over and over where it talks about all these things that the, that the prophets of old and, and, um, and those in the Old Testament had, had done, and he, he talks about all these wonderful things, but then as he gets to the end of that, he talks about the persecution that happened to them, and he says, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a, bez- a better resurrection. Still others had... Tr- trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. So there's this picture of this persecution that will come. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 12, Paul's writing again to Timothy in this, and he says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, as all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So there's that straightforward, like if you're going, if you desire to live a godly life, in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. Persecution. In John chapter 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, if the world, uh, this is verses 18 through 20, says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Jesus again in Luke chapter 21, 10 through 12. This is where he's talking about what is to come in the end times. And Jesus is talking to his disciples again. He says, then he said to them, 
Nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilences, and there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. So these are those last two straight out of the words of, of Christ, the words of Jesus saying, this is gonna, if you are going to follow me and you're one, you are mine, there will be persecution that will come. In Revelation, um, he speaks to John in Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, where he's specifically talking about the persecuted church. And the, it says, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. I know the works, tribulation, and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. So, we see over and over, and again, same with, with the persecution, and same as, as with the, the evil in the world, um, we could, we could go on and on in pulling out Scripture and not pulling it out of its context, but just looking at the Scripture that's there and, and seeing that this pattern is, is there. Are we encouraged yet? Okay. So uh, those kind of two sections are kind of connected in the, the evil in the world and the persecution. Um, the next section that I'm going to get into is still kind of connected in, the, in a way because of the fact that you know, we are sinners and there is evil in us and, and we, we, that's why we need a savior. Um, but the next section in, in regards to, to adversity and trials and sufferings coming has to do with discipline and correction or, or judgment. So um, we know that God disciplines those that he loves. Uh, and, and so there's a, a number of different, different things that we could again, pull out to, to look at this, but I've kind of chosen a few that, that uh, I think make it most clear. Uh, the first I'm going to look at is 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, uh, and we're going to look at verses 28 through, through 32. Um, we hear this most often in relation to uh, communion, and this is something that we hear pretty much once a month <laughs> if, if we come here, uh, and, and just in regards to how we should approach communion. Um, and within it, there is a, a specific um, verse that really talks about that sometimes uh, sickness or, or issues or trial, tribulation can come, suffering can come onto us as a judgment and as a discipline, as a correction. And so we have to be aware of that. It says, but let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Jumping up to Revelation again, uh, chapter 319. This is where he's writing to the church in Laodicea. The, the known as the lukewarm church. Uh, in verse 19, he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. And then the, the larger section that, um, that I look at that really kind of has a very clear uh, just focus on that discipline of the Lord uh, is coming out of Hebrews as well. And we've kind of gone to this, 
this section, um, in the beginning, like I said, there was that verse about, you know, chastening is not fun in the, in the, in the moment when it happens. Um, that is connected to this section. Um, and then there's another portion that's connected to this section as well that we're going to kind of touch on uh, as we kind of bring it to a close in a bit. Uh, but Hebrews chapter 12, verses 3 through 11, it says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. And that's referring to Christ who endured. It says, Lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. And you have forgotten the, exhor- the exhortation, excuse me, which speaks to you as to sons. And then he quotes Proverbs chapter 3, uh, verses 11 and 12 which says, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Then he goes on to say, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as as seemed best to them, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, here's that one that we, we read at first, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So a very clear section of scripture talking about that a loving father is going to discipline us and it's for our benefit, is for good, um, and, we, and, and we, should, we should should respect that, we should desire that, and when we, should, we should have a, a love for that. Moving back into some Old Testament then in, in regards to discipline, um, looking at Deuteronomy chapter eight, verses two through five. Um, here, God is, is giving uh, instruction to the Israelites. He's, he's, and there's just tons of stuff that he's, that he's giving them as far as the things that he needs for them, he wants for them to do because he knows what's best. It says, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might know you, you, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell with these forty years." You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. And then looking at Job, obviously, if we're at all familiar with the story of Job, uh, the, the chastening or the, the, the suffering um, that, is, that is in there is, is such a huge part of that that God allows in that. Um, Job chapter 5, verses 17 through 18, and we're going to touch on Job a little bit more Uh, in a minute, but 17 through 18 of chapter 5 says, Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore, do not despise the chastening of the Almighty. For he bruises, but he binds up. He wounds, but his hands make whole. So we see just such a clear picture of just the, the, the chastening of the Lord, the discipline of the Lord that he wants, that he, he has to bring upon us. Okay. And we often looked, I mean, I know that when I get disciplined, I don't, 
I don't like it. I know that my kids don't like it when they get disciplined. Um, but it is necessary, and we know that as parents, we know that as people, um, and it's so hard sometimes to receive it, but it is so necessary. And so we, we have to learn how to, how to receive that in the way that, that God wants us to. Um, another area that we see suffering and affliction um, is just the area of just it's simply for God's glory. Uh, there might not necessarily be a... A, a reason per se. You know, when it's, when it's our sin that has caused something, uh, it's a little easier at times to, to accept it because we know we've kind of earned it. Okay, yeah, this, that was me. I, I, I'll take, take the licking that I need to. I did that. When it's because of the evil that's in the world and we, and we know that that's the reason, um, that there's some persecution and we know that that's the reason, I think a lot of times those are the easier things to accept because we can, um, there, there's, that, there's that idea of, of justice, of justification, of knowing that like, okay, this is the reason that that happened. When there's things that we don't understand why, and we don't see a clear, uh, a clear picture of it was because of my sin, or it was because of this persecution, or it was because of this, those a lot of times are the things that are a lot harder for us, right? But there, is all, there are, are clear scriptural uh, evidence that that shows us as well that that those are times where where that kind of where those difficulties come. Uh, one of the most clear, I think, uh, is is John chapter nine, the story of the blind man uh, that receives sight. Um, Jesus is is uh, is walking along, and it says, "Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth." And this is verse one through three. One through three. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. So the clear purpose of his blindness was simple. God wanted to use that to bring glory to himself and to show the people who he was and show his power. Um, He goes on to be healed and and, um, and we don't know how, I mean, we know, I don't know how old this man was, but it says he was blind from birth. So obviously he probably had a lot of difficulty in his life and a lot of, a lot of trial and, and, and struggle that he, that he faced with being blind from birth. And the only reason given is because God wanted to use it for his glory. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, verses 7 through 10, this is kind of talking about the thorn in Paul's, uh, Paul's flesh that he talks about. Um, <clears throat> starting in verse 7, he says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger to Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So the, the reason for this thorn wasn't because Paul had done anything. Obviously, it was, he was capable of, of being puffed up and capable of, of, of that, and so there was, there was kind of that reason, but... In Paul's mind, he's, Lord, take, please take this from me. You know, he's, he, doesn't, he doesn't see that clear reason, but he understands that it's because God wants it to be there for God's glory, and so that's the reason. Um, 
Then again, you know, stepping back then talking about Job, um, we know from the beginning of Job, uh, Satan comes before the Lord. He's been wandering the earth and the Lord says, have you considered my servant Job? Um, He refers to him as blameless, uh, an upright man, uh, one who fears God and shuns evil. So this is specifically what's said. He's like, he's an upright man. He fears God. He shuns evil. Um, Prior to this, there's a description um, that happens with what Job is doing on behalf of his family for, for sin and, and things that are going on, just that he's taking that upon, upon him and offering sacrifices for his family. And so uh, he, there, there's, there's no reason other than God wants to use Job for his glory to be, to be brought. And so um, he says, He's a blameless and upright man, and in, in Job 2, the second time that, uh, that Satan comes back after Job has already lost his, uh, all of his family, all, all of his children, all of his possessions, he's already lost it all. Satan comes back again, and, and the Lord says again to him, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? And still he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. So without cause, there's no reason. Like he's, he's just, Satan's doing this to him. He's being, he's being persecuted. He's, he's losing everything. He's lost all his children. He's lost all his possessions. And now he's going to lose his health. Um, and the Bible tells us that in all of this, Job did not curse God. He did not sin in, in, in that. Um, and at the end of Job, we see that uh, everything is, is, is uh, restored to him double, um, and his faithfulness is, is seen, and God is glorified through that. Uh, but there's so much suffering, um, I can't even imagine, uh, even begin to imagine what it would be like to, to, to lose all of that um, and still hold fast to my integrity as, as it says Job did. Um, so we see there this, this, uh, these situations where suffering and, and these things come simply because God wants to use it to bring glory to himself. And so as we have just read through a ton of different scripture that all kind of encompasses these various ways that... Um, and reasons that difficulty and suffering may come our way. And, and again, we could have found many, many more uh, that continue to kind of hammer in the reality that trial and tribulation and suffering is, is part of our lives, right? We could, we could go on and on, and I don't, don't think we need to, we, but we, we could, right? Um, so kind of bringing this back then to, to the question of, you know, we've kind of, given some reason, but kind of the why, um, I think the, the, the answer to that really kind of becomes pretty clear within the context of these verses and a lot surrounding them. And the one place that I, that I want to bring it back then to looking at really the, the context is, is back to this Hebrews 12, right? I, I talked about how we, you know, we looked at the chastening not being fun, not enjoyable, uh, then we kind of looked at the overall discipline thing, and I mentioned that there was another connection to that prior to that. So Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 2. It says, therefore, and again, if we, if we jump back just a little further, remember at the end of chapter 11 is where I talked about those 
persecutions that happened that he talked about to, uh, to all of the, 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 the heroes of old, uh, many who were stoned and, and all of that, right? So following that, he's, uh, he then says, um, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. So here's the model. We're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The most horrific, torturous death imaginable. Um, for the joy that was set before him. So time and again, we, we see this same type of purpose being stated uh, in all of these verses and the verses surrounding them that really the end goal, the end, uh, the, the end mission is simple, and that is to bring glory to God. The sufferings that we endure, the trials that we go through, all of it is to bring glory to God. It's to make Jesus look great. And through the testing of our faith in each and every trial we face, whether it be as a result of the evil and persecution in the world, uh, correction and discipline uh, due to sin in our own lives, uh, or simply because of God's sovereign purpose in, in wanting to show his power in something, um, through all of that, regardless of what it is, there grows a, a, a steadfastness in us, right? And that steadfastness shows us, it shows those around us in the world uh, that God is trustworthy. It shows us and it shows those around us that God is faithful. It shows us that he's a good father. It shows us that he is sovereign. It shows his love for us and it shows that he is all sufficient for every situation that we encounter. And in this view of him is where we find the joy in our sufferings. So when we're told to count it all joy and to rejoice in our trials, we can in light of him, when our focus is on him. Um, I'd like to close with a, a quote from a book that I've been enjoying for quite a while. Um, back in June, you know, I talked about some of the sufferings and trials that my, my family has, you know, been, has <laughs> gone through and, uh, over the you know, last nine months. And back in June, I ended up in the hospital uh, with a raging knee infection. Um, and the, the randomness of it all was quite something, and the, the timing was uh, impeccable. Um, I had woken up that morning. Um, I had had some, pee, uh, some, some pain in my knee like the, the day before and didn't really think a whole lot of it. And uh, woke up one morning and got really sick, vomited, was just had a fever, was not feeling well. Uh, ended up taking a COVID test and testing positive for COVID, so I just assumed it was that. Uh, by midday, my knee was giant and red and, and hot, and I was like, okay, I probably need to go to the hospital. So I went to the hospital to um, figure just you know, go to the ER, get some anti antibiotics, come home and be good, right? Uh, six days later, I finally returned home after being admitted because of this horrible infection. And so <clears throat> I remember the first couple days... Um, or at least the first day, uh, my attitude was was just not good. You know, I was 
I was afraid. Am I going to lose my leg? Am I going to die? They're talking about sepsis and infections, blood infections and all this kind of stuff and the, the risk there. And, and my poor wife is at home with a broken foot in a cast trying to get around the house on a scooter. Um, we had some other things going on with you know, family, other family members at the same time. And I'm just like, okay, this is, this is not... Like, this is a bad timing, God. Like, this is not, not going to work. This is not cool, right? Um, you know, terrible attitude. And so I had gotten this book um, for, for some study group, um, the, and it's uh, called Christ Indwelling and Enthroned uh, by J. Oswald Sanders. I highly recommend, uh, recommend it. Um, if, you, if you want a good punch in the face over and over, that just feels great. <laughs> um, there's just some, just some real great stuff just like to hit you. Um, it's good stuff. Uh, highly recommend it. But anyway, I started reading this book because I was laying in bed, COVID isolation. So like I'm just literally like alone, got nothing to do but just sit and stew and just, you know, be in a bad mood. So I started reading this book um, and in one of the sermons... Uh, that and basically it's a collection of 14 sermons that were preached by Sanders um, and they're just kind of transcribed in the book. And one of the ser- sermons in, entitled uh, In the Hand of the Potter, uh, I read this and it just, like I said, just punched me in the face and just completely changed the, the, traje- the trajectory of, the, of the, the week that I was there. He says, do you realize that complaints against your circumstances are in reality directed against the potter who ordered them? No other circumstances than those in which you find yourself at this moment could achieve his highest beneficent purpose. What we need is not so much a change of circumstances as a changed attitude towards them. And after I read that, like, I just, I just remember sitting there in that hospital bed just like, oh man, that hurts so good. <laughs> like, Lord, forgive me for this attitude. Like, whatever, whatever you have for me in this, I want it. Change my heart. Just whatever, whatever it is. If I, if I got to lose a leg, then okay, whatever. If, if I've got to die for whatever purpose, then okay, whatever. But God, just, I, I need a changed attitude. And the rest of that week um, and that time in there was just was just amazing. Um, reading the word, reading the book, just and having conversations with people as they would come in, come into my into my room. Uh, ended up reconnecting with a family member that I hadn't spoken with in ten years and getting to kind of share some hope and 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 share. And so it was just the the things that God did through that to 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 for His glory and His His purposes. Um, we're, we're just amazing. Um, and I, I would have missed that if I continued just wallowing in, in that, that attitude. And, and we see that, that encouragement in the words of Paul and, and, and James and Peter and, and all, of, all of these throughout in that considerate joy. So as we continue to face trials and difficulties, uh, whatever they may be and for whatever reason they may have come, let us have a changed attitude towards them. And with Christ as our example, for the joy that is set before him, let us bring glory to him as we find joy in our sufferings. So you please stand and pray and get you out of here. So God, I thank you just for your word. 
uh, the, the, the truth of your word that, that cuts, uh, cuts in. And I, I thank you that, um, that, that you've done a work where you've needed to tonight in, in each and every one of us. And so, Lord, as we go out of here, Lord, I just pray that you would help us all to find that joy, um, and, but that most importantly, you would be glorified. Um, trials and sufferings are gonna continue. Um, good times are still gonna continue. Bad times are still gonna continue. We will all continue in that um, until you come and restore, restore it all. And so, Lord, just if, until then, uh, continue to help us grow, to bring you glory, and to, um, to, to continue to, to find the joy in you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Have